Hi, you're very welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. Uh, beaming Pori Cork in the studio <laughs> with us, and uh, clearly you've been out in the sunshine during I the have. week, Pori. Yeah, you have a good colour on you. The tan is, is beginning the tan to. Tan is uh, off. The, the tan is, is off. This time of year, sure, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. Fantastic. What a great week. Yeah, and of course, so as we've been saying to people, bloom uh, inescapable. I think at this bloom stage. festival. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it kicked off on Thursday and it's running right through till Monday, the fourth of of uh, June. And uh, yeah, I, I was up there actually during the week a couple of times, Deirdre, and it's absolutely spectacular. Remember last week, we were, I was telling you about the um, the garden, the sustainable seafood garden by yes. Bordi Skiwara, uh, a designer, Andrew Christopher Dunn. And um, I visited probably a week ago, 10 days ago now, and when he was in the middle of constructing and boy, did it turn out fantastic. It was absolutely beautiful. He, if you remember what I was saying last week, he built two piers within the garden. I one, do, yes. And very reminiscent of the, the, the uh, pier you'd see in Clare Island. You know, that beautiful stonework, the plants growing out through the rocks, the rusty ladder to climb up. Um, but the garden itself actually has a boat, a working boat. Um, and he actually constructed the boat from three individual boats. So he oh. cut up three boats to make like this one boat kind of to fit it in, yeah. And he's got a full working kitchen on the boat. Um, and it's literally surrounded by water, um, beautiful planting, lovely birch trees, lovely sea, seaside plants. And uh, he comes from a fishing port himself in Clogher Head. Yeah. So he brought that, that, I suppose, all what's good about the typical fishing port to bloom and recreated this garden. And that it sounds won, fabulous. It won gold and it won best in class. That's so the top garden uh, at bloom this year and, and really, really nice, uh, superb. But the, 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 the standard this year is incredible. And I couldn't believe within seven days how they had transformed because I was literally, literally standing in the middle of that garden, no water, no no, no boat Just a, bit a week of clay ago. Dog or whatever, yeah, seven yeah. days ago, and how they transformed it. Um, so it was very spectacular. Spectacular. The other garden that actually caught my eye was the garden that called Moments in Time. Mm-hmm. And if people tuned into RT One on Monday, Nora owns. This is the dementia. Yeah, the dementia, the dementia garden. She mm. spoke about her husband Brian, who suffers, unfortunately, suffering from dementia. But mm. the key point she was making, in particular, about her own family life, was that Brian likes to garden, they use the garden for therapy and they, they created this garden at Bloom to, I suppose, highlight the whole the suffering of, of people with dementia and it's sponsored by the Al- Alzheimer's Society. But it's got beautiful planting. It's a multi-sensory garden. So within the garden, you've got plants like the bottle brush, the calisthenum. Oh. Now, it's a Mediterranean plant, mm. but it, the flowers are pink or red. And they're very tactile. They're like a bottle brush. Mm. You know the old bottle brush? You'd remember it. I, I, I don't. I don't really. But, but you know the old bottle, bottle brushes <laughs> are still a fantastic implement to have in any kitchen. <laughs> well, for the old old glass milk bottle, the old bottle brush. But so I suppose that the selection of plants were picked to get people suffering from dementia to remember their youth, to remember the plants that maybe their grandmother grew, that their mother grew. So things like sweet pea, the fantastic scented plants in the garden, old cottage garden plants like dianthus, the carnations, lupins, um, and a beautiful seating seating area in the shade with silver birch for, again, they, they, they speak about grounding people mm. and people suffering from dementia to be able to take a reflective That's moment, sit in the garden and just ground, ground them. And I thought it was a beautiful garden. It's actually, uh, it's it's a small garden, Multi, fully multi-sensory, lots of sense, lots of colour and um, certainly a place you'd sit and dwell 
for for a period. I so guess, that, yeah, that you can be at peace. Or yeah, and and when you hear when you heard or when I certainly heard Nora mm. own story, her own family story, mm. you know uh, how important the garden and plants were in 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 their life. Um, so the other the other garden that caught my eye is the um, Marie Keating garden which is the sun smart garden and marie keating foundation obviously are champion the whole cancer think, cause yes, and uh, really highlighting for gardeners in particular the importance of sun protection and it's something i have to remind myself on a regular basis uh, to, to put the sun cream on because the, the point they're making is it's not just a sunny day that we really should be using sun cream anytime you're out in the garden even during the spring and autumn period um, but that's another beautiful garden. It was actually put together by the Hairy Gardeners, <laughs> who are two two chaps from from Manchester. I spoke to uh, on Thursday, okay. and uh, two characters, uh, big hairy beards. Right, Allah, the hairy bikers. Exactly, from a gardening exactly from gardening. Food, yeah. But they've done a beautiful job and some lovely planting. You'd expect it to be. It's called the Sun Smart Garden. It's it's full of bright yellow colours, orange colours, lovely little dwell areas, and curved paths, and all that sort of thing within the garden and a great story behind it as well so I thought that was particularly nice Mediterranean Garden again that caught my eye um, is designed by Alan Rudden Life is Rosé um, it's it's sponsored by the Santa Rita Wine Company but that's a particularly nice garden it's totally different to the others in that it has a lot of Mediterranean plants and plants from Chile so the things like agaves and outdoor cacti um, and it had grapes growing in the actual garden itself oh, and fantastic. so yeah in, indoors or outdoors well, outdoors grapes, yeah. no, outdoors now West of Ireland, not the best plant to be growing yeah. in the West of Ireland, but in places like Dublin, South County Dublin, Wexford, Waterford, they're growing grapes, and they're growing grapes actually on a commercial basis as well. We have a couple of vineyards here in Ireland uh, on a commercial basis because they've got this, like the plant itself will grow here in the West of Ireland, yeah. but it will never fruit, or it'll fruit in a greenhouse or in a tunnel or in a very, very... Uh, you know, it's so, food for novelty, but that's correct, it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, but but I thought his garden was particularly different, and it's very bright, very colourful. But there are twenty show gardens and thirteen postcard gardens. Um, huge array of uh, nursery displays, plants, and all of that on 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 show. And of course, the food element and a big element for children again this year. So they've brought the budding bloomers to bloom this year, which is teaching kids about growing their own five a day growing things like sunflowers and how to do that. And also they've got some novel things like um, a children's farm. So they've brought all the farm animals in. The farmers are there to speak to them and uh, how to milk a cow, how to share a sheep, those sort of things for the kids as well. <laughs> and of course for the foodies, there's uh, 25 food demonstrations over the five days, so five per day. And also wow. there's uh, a wide range of gardening expert talks one I'll be giving myself at a quarter to three this afternoon. Okay, so a busy day for you too. Yeah, and I'm there on Sunday in morning and, and afternoon and I'm there Monday morning and afternoon. So if people are around, come up to the expert stage. Um, uh, it's fully seated. It's inside in the large marquee and I'll be there. On and are we allowed to ask you what are you covering this afternoon? Yeah, two two topics. I'm actually going to... Um, I'm going to tell people the story of Bloom, the gardens, because I was there 10 days ago. So I took photographs of the gardens during construction and then I'll show you the transformation. Fantastic. And I'll speak about some of the, be the best gardens there and what I like about those gardens and bringing in a sense of garden design as well to that 
um, to that particular talk. That's the one I'm doing this afternoon. And then tomorrow, uh, and uh, tomorrow's what, Sunday? Yeah, yes, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so Sunday and Monday, uh, I'm going to be again speaking about garden design, but also going to be talking about bringing bloom back to your own garden. And some of the plants that I saw at Bloom that you should consider planting uh in your own garden. Yeah, and I, I just, when you're talking about particularly the, the, the Bordis Kiwara garden, I'm sorry, I just can't remember the, the name of the, of the garden itself. Sustainable, sustainable Seafood Garden. Sorry, I have to learn these all off. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm truly impressed. But I, that one particularly strikes me as being one that one could, you could visit and you possibly could quite easily take elements of that and bring it back because we are the West and we're, you know, surrounded by the Western seaboard or at least on one part. So the, I'm sure there's a lot in that garden that we can, t- and you know, I suppose we do get a lot of questions on the programme about seaside, seaside locations gardens. and yeah. uh, I know hedging for seaside location we get you know comes in quite a bit so looking at something like that can possibly give people an awful lot of ideas on what they can do whether it's just a little small patch because I know they do those uh, little postcard, postcard gardens. gardens there's 13 yeah. of those yeah or whether you have a larger project to undertake yeah and it's 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 interesting interesting you say that because that garden resonated with me in the middle of the build. Yeah. When I when I went to, to interview Andrew, I did it for TV3 and we showed the before and after. And and the day I was there, I said to him, this is the best garden in show. And he was, you know, looking at me kind of, I'm a, maybe, I'm whatever. But I went round to the other designers and they were asking me, what garden do you think actually is best at show? And I was saying to him, that's the garden that resonates with me. And they were saying, no, 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 it's, it's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be... And these were, a lot of these guys are, are Dublin-based. And I think, you know, the, for me, certainly the garden, the, the yeah. west of Ireland, Clare Island, that's what it resonated with me, with, with his garden in particular. And but the fact that Andrew himself is from Clare Head, he really brought... I mean, the, to see the pier that he built is just fantastic. It's 10 foot high. It wow. must be 30 feet long. It's leaning back, backwards... And uh, so it, it just, you would swear you're there in Clare Island. To see the boat, the trawler then in front of it, sitting in water. I mean, and this was grass a couple of weeks back. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible what, okay. he, what he has done. Hats off, so so well that's done, a beautiful Andrew. garden. And it's actually, he has chefs on the boat cooking seafood. Yeah, I think uh, with Gary O'Hanlon, was he doing he it was. the other day? He was. Yeah. He did a yeah. lovely piece on, uh, there, but there's lots of different chefs right through the weekend. So look, it's a great day out. Um, my advice, if you're going, go early. Go up in the train if possible because you're you're very close to it. Bus. There's a shuttle bus very close to it, but there is plenty of parking on site as well. And um, I think with the good weather, there's going to be record crowds this year. But it's a great day out. Okay, I think. Did you say we we're going to talk about a blight warning? Well, I did. I mentioned that uh, Met Aaron have issued mm. a blight warning, so people growing their potatoes or growing tomatoes in particular, um, potato blight will affect both of those, those plants. So my advice is to prevent rather than trying to cure the problem. So if you can this weekend, put on a blight control treatment you get it in any local garden centre mix it in water spray it onto the foliage of your potatoes and your tomatoes and that will protect them and that potato blight treatment is systemic so it enters the system the plant and gives several days possibly you know up to 10 days of preventative uh, so this kind of clammy weather mm. we really get and that it has been I mean yeah. while, it, while it's been fantastic and nobody's complaining about it it has been a little sticky when, yeah. yeah and particularly if we're going to get showers and you get that high humidity then blight will be a problem so watch for that and also kind of general diseases on um, things like mildew will start to show its head which is a white powdery substance on roses in particular you can also see it on maple trees and again no harm if you have a little bit of uh, rose clear or rose rescue or fungus 
fungus clear or any of those kind of fungicides to maybe treat some of your plants now just to prevent any diseases. But particularly this weekend, Met Aaron have issued that blight warning. So I would be, um, if possible, if the spuds are above the ground, which mm. there will be for a lot of people, get out the treatment and protect them and particularly in this dry weather. The other thing to mention we got a great reaction to the um, nematodes that I mentioned for the wireworm Um, and they also control the carriage root fly the cabbage root fly and they can be used in tunnels and greenhouses people were asking me that Um, and again when when you buy it it looks like a tennis ball, it's in a little round cylindrical um, circular uh, ball Mm -hmm. as it were there's a tea bag or what looks like a tea bag inside you mix it in water and that makes up the um, concentrate and then you dilute it further into a watering can and apply it directly onto the soil if your soil is very dry my advice is to water it first so put the sprinkler or the hose on it just for an hour or so and then put on the nematodes and this sort of weather is ideal so if you've got vine weevil carriage root fly cabbage root fly any of those soil borne pests this is the time of year to put on the nematodes they work very very quickly they're organic they're safe for children and pets and um, they're easy to apply so people have been asking me about those in the the last day or two do keep an eye on the weeds as well because once the rain comes back we're going to get an explosion of weeds get out with the garden hoe hoe off any weeds that are there stop them from flowering and seeding um, and do you know Again, if you if you are spraying in general, this sort of weather is, is quite good at the moment. Patio container, that's going to be my talk of bloom over the weekend. But this is the time if you want to add colour to your garden. Yes. June Bank holiday weekend. It's the start of summer. So plant up your baskets, window boxes, hanging baskets, patio tubs, whatever. This is the time of year to get the colour in. And there's lots and lots of great plants in flower at the moment. And it's it's we're on the, the, the probably the last week or so for planting tomatoes, chilies, peppers, cu- cucumbers, those fruiting plants really need to be planted now, including strawberries. Okay, so get busy. It's get busy, get planting. Ticket. Certainly from a colour point yeah. of view, keep an eye on pests as well because with the warm weather you tend to get the green fly knocking about. So, you know, rather than calling us in in two weeks' time and your plant's covered with caterpillars or thing, a little bit of preventative cure. There's plenty of great organic treatments. So, for example, for if you're growing vegetables or fruit in the garden, Bug Clear, do a very good organic-based um, uh, insecticide insecticide eating the wrong word because it's, it's an organic based one but it will prevent and stop any aphids or green fly or caterpillars on your plants but it's very safe to use on um, it's a soap based treatment, treatment yeah. so it's it's um, it's very safe to use and you can eat the, the uh, plants literally a day or two after so you know make sure whatever you're putting on is organic but but do start try to prevent the problem rather than curing the problem in a couple of weeks time so i'd be keeping an eye out for things like that i was planting actually in my own garden during the week planting a lot of hydrangeas and the soil is actually still i was amazed how wet it is yeah, it's very moist it, it does I, I noticed that myself in the back garden because um, I'm, I'm hoping to do a little bit of a digging project uh, only small now but I it's where it is the the, gra- the clay is very cloy it's very heavy clay yeah. um, so I'm waiting to, for it to dry out as much as possible before I tackle it because well, obviously it up. when it's heavy or when yeah, it's it wet can be, it's very heavy yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. but it's a, it, there is lots of moisture still in the soil and a good idea is to mix some gr- peat or a, a gravel gr- grit and gravel yeah into that soil and lighten it up Um, if people have planted plants in containers remember that you're not watering the plant you're watering the soil so heavy watering so when you're watering your containers or you're watering plants in the garden soil you're better to leave the hose running on them for maybe five minutes or ten minutes so really soak the compost and soak the soil but then leave them a couple of days so don't be out there every evening sprinkling water a small amount or even a heavy amount of water you're better to water heavily so 
I knew I was away for the next three mm. days. So did you do your watering? <laughs> Nobody in my house will remember to water the containers. The first job I did when I came home from work last night, I watered everything, but I literally left the hose sitting on the, the troughs to, to soak them really heavily. And then, so I know that they're going to be perfectly fine yeah. until I come back on Tuesday. Yeah. So that's the way to water. Water the soil, not the plant. That Remember that simple tip and, and really water heavily and then leave for a couple of days and rewater. And you'll nearly know by the weight of the containers. Give them an odd lift. And if you can nearly can't, if lift, you can't them. lift them, they're fine and leave them alone. If they're gone light, then keep it, you know, and put your hand under a hanging basket yeah. and just lift it slightly. You know by the How weight of it. Yeah. So they're the type of jobs. Um, and remember, I am in bloom today, tomorrow and Monday. And I'd love to see people. Let them come up to the stage, get a few selfies. We'll have a bit of fun. Okay. And um, if you have any gardening questions, bring them along. Excellent. When is the best time to plant wild garlic? Well, you can plant it at this time of year now. Be careful what you wish for because gar- wild garlic spreads both from the seed and it and multiplies by bulbs. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a plant that can spread quite a bit in a garden. So the time to plant it is to, you can lift it now, divide it and move it to a to a new area. So you can get a couple of bulbs from a neighbour or friend or whatever. You'll find it growing wild in places as well. Um, so just plant it into the ground. It will grow like, a bit like the daffodils. It'll grow for another week or two and then it'll die back. And you've got yourself garlic every year uh, from then on. So it's yeah. the... And it's lovely. Like wild garlic, it's, it's generally what, what you harvest is the young leaves in April, early May, that time of year when the young leaf is coming on. They're a bit leathery now and a bit uh, coarser at this time of year. And they make fantastic pesto, um, great, lovely uh, flavour to, to dishes in, in early springtime. But it is a spreading plant, so just keep that in mind and it yes. can spread. <clears throat> Loves to grow in the shade. There's a lovely patch. You see it of sometimes in woodland areas. Woodland areas. And it just looks gorgeous yeah, it, there. It is, yeah. I, I was actually up through Rahenswood, which is out in Island 80 recently, and it was beautiful all in around the trees. So, an area like that, or it's in Turlock Park as well, along by the museum, they've got great crops of it there under the trees as well. So, it loves that kind of dapple shade. Um, but do remember, it can spread in the, in the garden, so just keep an eye on it and keep it controlled. But this time of year is the perfect time to plant it. Excellent. You can just dig a piece up, transplant Plant-tons. it. Yeah. Um, now, I've dug up daffodils, speaking of digging things up, okay. that were in the wrong location. I've left the stems on. Can I leave them in a shed and replant in the autumn? You can. And daffodils are dying back. Um, they've nearly died back fully now at this stage. So the bulbs have swelled up for next year. So they're going to go dormant now for the rest of the summer. They're gone to sleep effectively and won't, won't start growing. The, the, the new roots start to grow around August, September of this, this, this coming autumn. Mm. So leave the bulbs in a, in a tray in a, a garage over the winter, over the summer period and then around late August, early September plant them out wherever you want them to grow. Now remember that you can dig the daffodils up this time of year and move them to new areas. So there's no problem if you know where they are, dig the, the plant up, transplant it somewhere else and uh, let it grow there. So the listener doesn't necessarily have to leave them inside in the in the garage for the summer. They can literally plant them now if they wish to the new location. But if they just want to store them for the summer, that's perfectly fine. Um, replant then in August or September. And for other listeners that have daffodils or any bulb, tulips, crocuses, snowdrops, this is a really good time. We lift them at, ideally mm. a couple of weeks back would have been even better but we lift them at this time of the year and you can transplant them to other parts of the garden it's a great time to subdivide them as well and kind of repropagate them and split, split them, them up, up. 
Uh, now, Heathers, with that we had last winter, they looked lovely, but they're not looking so well now. Well, winter heathers flower. It's The word winter heather probably even does them an injustice because they come into flower September and they flower right through to the end of April. So they're nearly flowering five, six months of the year. They're, I think they're fantastic. They give great value. But at this time of year, naturally enough, the flowers have gone off them. So they look a little bit dull. Uh, it's at this time of year you should actually trim them back. So once the flower goes off the, the heathers, that's the time you cut them back with a shears, not too severely. You just cut back the any shoots that have flowered this winter. So that's cut back. So you're taking maybe two or three inches. I did my own winter heathers probably three weeks ago. And there's a flush of new growth on the plant. Oh, so okay. when you prune them back, you feed them, put on a little bit of Osmo so you, Pro so 6. you could just get a bit of green growth. Get there. a green growth. And on that green growth, then they flower this coming autumn. So that's the way winter heathers, they, they're greenish. They're coming into growth this time of year and on that growth then the flower the following oh, year. Okay. So if the listener hasn't trimmed them back, give them a light trimming back, give them a feed. They'll grow during the summer. You get lots of new growth on the plant and then they'll come back into flower next September for you. Okay. So they look a bit dull at this time of year, but that's... That's, I mean, you, you, that's, that's the nature that's, of them. That's, yeah. yeah you, and you, they, they were spectacular, actually. They were lovely. Earlier in the spring when things were very cold and there was nothing growing and no bit of colour in gardens. They were brilliant. And I, I did notice them myself. Yeah. Quite, yeah and I, in that cold weather, you see, it tends to preserve the flower. And, and heathers, even if they get a foot of snow on top of the heather in the wintertime, once the snow melts, they're still flowering beneath it. So they're never damaged by frost or winter snow or hail or anything like that. They're a very good, robust plant. The other thing about the winter heathers is that they'll grow in any type of soil. So they'll grow in acid soil, limey soil, neutral soil. They're not fussy. They're not fussy. I yeah. like Plant them, them in groups. Yeah. That's really the way. Plant them in groups of fives or sevens of the same variety to get that nice carpet effect. Now, we have uh, have a red-white thorn. Uh, it's set two years ago. Uh, it did very well last year, but there's not much sign of it uh, doing very well this year. Yeah, well... It depends what it means by doing very well. Okay, I presume well, they mean it's not flowering. And flowering. Yeah, and they're beautiful at the moment. There's a lovely variety. The variety the listener's talking about is Crataegus Paul Scarlet. So it's got these very similar to... The, it is in the in the Whitethorn family, mm. but it's got red flowers or deep pink flowers. And they are beautiful everywhere. Now, it's only a two-year-old plant. It's a young tree. And we often find that if you plant a cherry tree or a, or a um, the Paul Scarlet in this case, it will often flower in its first year. Laburnums would be very atypical of this as well when you plant them in their first year. But then once they get into the soil and they get a freedom of growth, they tend to put on a lot of leaf and a lot of stem. And that's a good thing because the, tr- the tree is actually putting on a bit of bulk on a bit of body. It's building mm-hmm. itself up. And they tend to sacrifice the flowering for maybe two or three years. So... The energy goes into producing new growth, new leaves, new stems and building a bit of bulk into the tree and then it'll trigger itself into flowering as it matures a little bit. So as long as the tree is growing, it's healthy, it's green, then be perfectly happy with that. It will settle down to flowering and once it starts to flower, maybe in two years' time, you'll have it flowering every year after that. You can encourage it by putting on something like a rose feed, something that's high in potash will help to slow down the growth a little bit and, and induce it into flowering. But if it's growing well, then that's, it's, it's normal. It's normal. Yeah, it's normal that it doesn't flower for the first couple of years. And you often find that with hydrangeas, when they're freshly planted, they may flower the first year, then skip a year or two and put on a lot of leafy growth yeah. and then settle back into flowering again. It, they're in they're juveniles they're juveniles so they're, <laughs> they're, it's, it's like they're, they're it's like their growth spurt exactly it's exactly the same principle I have a hedge it's three years old I fed it in the spring it's growing really well Great. can I cut it back now when can I cut it yes, back yes you can and, and all pretty much all hedges can be trimmed at this time of year 
you've seen them around the gardens everywhere. They've, in the last week or 10 days, they've just, with the heat, and particularly if the listeners have put on a bit of feed, they've just jumped with new growth. Now, what generally happens is people leave them alone. Mm. And then around July and August, they come along with the shears and they're cutting two feet or what, 18 inches mm. off the plant. Mm. And that's all wasted growth. So you're dumping all that growth. So if you trim them now, only taking three or four inches off the top of the plant, you're diverting that growth sidewards. So, that, so, so you're stopping it getting taller, taller yeah. but it's actually going to start to thicken up. Yeah. Now, it won't reduce the overall height of the hedge because it's only a three-year-old hedge, so the listener probably wants it to grow a little bit taller. So it'll still grow taller, but you're re-diverting some of that growth into side branches, getting the tree, the, the plant to fill in. So my advice is go out with the shears, trim the sides, trim the top, but only take two, three, four inches, just lightly trim it off, even it all off, and you could refeed it again maybe in another week or ten days. Whenever the rain comes back, give it another dressing of feed and that'll push on the growth as again. And again, you could give it a light trim, say, in July. So lightly trim it rather than leaving it till August and then chopping a foot and a half of it. So okay. lightly trimming back, that's a that's an important thing to do with young hedges because you're training the hedge to be very full and thick at the base rather than being tall and lanky. Okay, so. and a question which I think is probably that it's probably the answer as well. Um, I have a laurel hedge; it's about six years old. There are a lot of new shoots, but there are a lot of leaves going completely brown. Does it look very? It looks very lifeless. Any ideas? Well, give it a yeah. feed first of all, and I, I mentioned this at the start of the year, Deirdre. That we, remember, we we tend to forget that it has been a horrendously wet winter, huge amount of rainfall from last September right through till April of this year. So there's been a lot of leaching of nutrition out of the soil. So we're seeing a lot of yellowing, particularly on laurels, mm. on rhododendrons, on forest flames, on those evergreen shrubs. They have struggled this winter because the, their nutrition has been washed away from them. So plants will benefit. As the list, the first listener said, they fed the hedge mm. in the springtime. It's lovely and green. It's growing well. That's what people need to do. Give their plants a dressing of a tree and shrub fertilizer now, preferably before rain is promised. And that'll just wash Especially. in. It'll green the plants up. Now, all those evergreen plants are drop some of their leaves. So you'll expect laurel to be dropping 10% of its leaves, uh, you know, over a period because that's just natural. natural. So that, But certainly this year, there is a lot of leaf drop because plants are hungry. And they tend to sacrifice the old leaves for the, for the, for the young leaves. Which makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's, that's telling you as well that the plant is hungry. So feed it, give it a light trim back. And, and with all hedges, they, they need a granulated feed now and give them a light trimming as well and that just helps to thicken them up. Now I have a butternut squash plant in the tunnel. Lovely. Any advice on how not to kill it, says Bridget? Okay, well the, the, the thing that will kill butternut squash and anything in that family like cucumbers or marrows or anything with that uh, kind of a, they have a very soft stem so be careful with the watering. So what I would do is not not apply the watering directly onto the leaves or the stem of the butternut squash but water the soil around it and keep the water at least 6 to 8 inches from the stem of the plant so if, if the stem gets very wet it, you, it tends to rot so keep, that, keep the water well back a good idea would be even to sink a pot a large pot maybe a, a 8 or 9 inch pot into the soil beside the plant and water the pot, put the water in at that stage so keep the water off the foliage and stems of the plant and keep it out at least six inches from the plant itself. It will come into flower. The, the bees need to get in to pollinate the flower or else you need to hand pollinate the flowers yourself. So a little brush and actually dab, go from one flower to the other and, and pollinate the, the flowers on butternut squash. Um, once it produces 
three to four fruitlets, it's a good idea to stop it from fruiting. So you just pinch back the leading shoots. So it'll tend to spread across the ground. Pinch those back because it'll only have the ability to produce maybe four butternut squash. They're quite big. Uh, they're, mm. qu- they're quite big marrow so, um, or squash. So four is, is normally, four to five is, is, is enough. Liquid feed them then as they're producing their fruit with a tomato feed. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And look forward to harvest them in August and September. And they make fantastic soup. Soup, yeah. And, beautiful and soup and with ginger. Roasted vegetables as well. Yeah, it's a beautiful vegetable, yeah. actually. Yeah, well worth growing. The pinching back. If you don't pinch them back, you're going to get a lot of fruits and they're only going to be small. That's it. Yeah. The plant, like the plant itself, is trying to reproduce, is trying to produce as much fruit as possible to produce seed. So you've got to stop it doing that so that all the energy goes into four or five main fruit fruit and blood. Same applies if you're growing pumpkins or any of those large fruits. If you want really big marrows, then stop the plant from producing more once it gets four or five established. You know. Now, I, I, another tip is if when, when the squash is developing, it's a good idea to lift it up on a stone or a piece of slate, again, to keep it off the wet soil. So dampness and wetness is can damage squash mm-hmm. the plant itself and the fruit itself so keep it up off the ground keep it let the air in around it and let it develop well and feed it well during the summer and you'll have lovely squash in August, September of this year Now I've been admiring the lovely rhododendrons in the garden especially the red ones I have a big pot would a rhododendron grow in this or is there something similar that would work in a pot something with a bit of colour for the June bank holiday weekend Oh yeah well they were, we're bang <laughs> in it at the moment so um, well first of all rhododendrons will grow in, in containers uh, the red variety is a lovely one called Taurus Taurus, which is a lovely red variety, or Scarlet Wonder is quite a nice one as well, or Baden Baden. So first of all, there are there are small miniature rhododendrons that are perfect for small pots or large. The Taurus one, for example, produces the real big red bells of flower. Most of them are flowering. The wild rhododendron is in full flower at the moment. It's actually a picture at the moment. Um, so they're always great for the June Bank holiday weekend. They're, they do well, very well in pots. They come in a whole range of colour and actually have bloomed this year the um, Crumlin Children's Hospital. There's some beautiful rhododendrons uh, flowering there at the moment. Um, so perfect in a pot. Make sure you use the ericaceous compost, the lime-free compost. Wash them well. And any plant that's in flower uses more water when it's flowering than it does when it's green. So bear that in mind if you've got uh, particularly rhododendrons. The other plant I would plant this time of year are azaleas. They're very spectacular. They're in the rhododendron family. The leaves are smaller. The flowers are slightly smaller, but they're more, they come on mass. And they're available at the moment in reds, pinks, purples and whites. So if you wanted a ball of colour for the June Bank Holiday weekend, get a few azaleas into pots. They're absolutely spectacular. And when they go out of leaf, they, they're very similar to a box ball. So they've got the really small leaves like a box ball. Mm. So the green foliage looks really well, whereas the rhododendron tends to be quite a large, large leaf. leaf yeah. yeah. So the azaleas for me would be fantastic for colour. You will get hydrangeas in flower at the moment in your local garden centre, those that have been brought on a little bit early. Mm. So again, if you want um, colour for the June Bank holiday, look for hydra- hydrangeas. Now, hydrangeas in, in everybody else's garden are not flowering no, yet. Not yet. Not yet. So <laughs> these are the ones that are just forced on a little bit yeah. early for a bit of early summer colour. Um, what else would be nice? The paris daisies are lovely at the moment. The agaranthemums, paris daisies. So they're daisy-like flowers in shades of reds and pinks and whites. They're beautiful. There's loads of colour available at the moment. The azaleas, do they last long? In flower, well, they're, 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 they're kind of mid-flowering at the moment. So they're going to last till probably the middle of June. 
So you'll get two oh, yeah, to three weeks of, yeah. of colour from and then them. something else will be taken over. Something else will come into well. But they are spectacular when they come into bloom. I mean, if you want a, a, just a riot of colour for this weekend, the azaleas for me would be absolutely beautiful. Top, top of yeah, the list. Yeah, there's some, they're lovely. I was admiring them in the, in the garden centre actually a couple of days back. They're superb, superb this year. I want to talk about some of the photographs coming in for it. We have a load of photographs all of a sudden. WhatsApp is it's great, like, It's it? like, uh, yes, it is fantastic. Um, and it is great to get the photographs in on WhatsApp. Thank you it very sure much. Is. Oh, Oh, it's seven nine hundred forty one forty one. While we're at it, um, so it's a bit of an identification parade here this morning. Yeah. Okay, let's go with the evergreen tree first of all. That yes, Cormac's in. Oh, Mihal, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so look at that's a, a plant called ligustrum. It's an evergreen foliage plant. It's grown as a tree here, um, so it, it can grow it as a tree or you can grow it as a hedge. Uh, so quite an easy plant to grow. Okay, and it's quite a large. Uh, it's quite tall. Tw- yeah, yeah it must one. be twelve feet, ten, twelve feet in height. Okay, great. Um, uh, now line up number two on the photographs right. So these are uh, plants. Uh, that can be grown from slips. They were borrowed from the neighbour's garden. So I think we have a Chilean lantern here. We do. Yeah. We have the Chilean lantern, so it's Crinodendron hucurianum, which is actually just coming into flower at the moment. The lovely... Yeah, it looks great, actually. Oh, Lo- yeah. lo- loads of lovely flowers. Beautiful. Are being so sent it's, into it's a flower like similar, I suppose, to a fuchsia, but it's it's quite large. It's larger than a fuchsia. Lantern shape, that's the way it gets its name. They tend to hang down, very similar to a, a, a fuchsia plant. Unlike fuchsia, the Chilean lantern is actually evergreen, so it retains its leaf. It loves the west of Ireland even though it's from Chile yes it absolutely loves our our uh, mild winters so um, you can plant them actually at this time of year and you'll see them in gardens now coming into flower um, lovely plant very easy to grow so that's what that is the Chile, the Chilean lantern um, we've also I think some Wigilias some Wigilias yes so Wigilia has both green foliage and you get them in variegated foliage um, and they come in shades of pinks and in shades of red a very easy uh, plant to grow great for bees the bees absolutely love this plant um, so a very s- easy shrub when the plant goes out of flower particularly the variegated one it's got lovely variegated foliage so it's bright but evergreen or not evergreen it's, it's actually deciduous but it's got bright foliage right through till yeah, early it's, autumn it's very, the foliage itself is yeah, very but very simple from slips it's a very great it's a great way to actually propagate quite a number of plants particularly as we come into autumn mm. okay now before we go to the next one I apologise and I know I'm cu- cutting over and back here and I've just realised that I've Almost forgotten to do the competition. <laughs> I saw that so shocked we, look we on your so, face. I was right. so engrossed uh, in uh, photographs. And John, I see your picture of your rockery as well. And I'll try and get Porig to have a look at that in just a moment. Uh, but as we had been mentioning earlier, uh, we do have tickets to give away right throughout the weekend uh, to Taylor Swift. Uh, she's in Croke Park on Saturday, the 16th of June. So for those of you who are just going to take a break from gardening for a second, uh, we'll have three pairs of tickets this hour to give away. So the first... Uh, three texters with the word Taylor, very simple, to 087 uh, uh, Those tickets courtesy of MCD for you. And uh, the important thing to remember here is, you know, please only enter if you can go to the concert. Um, and what happens is we will be passing on details and you can pick up the tickets then at the ticket desk on the day. So, uh, Taylor, please, uh, text Taylor, uh, your name and address and details, obviously, with that to us here at 087 uh, 941 41. Okay, back to gardening. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm multitasking this morning, Warwick. <laughs> you're doing well. You're doing well. Okay, the, we have this rose, a, a lovely oh, yeah. climbing rose uh, in a big pot at the moment. Um, but there was some white powdery substance on the leaves. Now, uh, the listener has looked it up online and said to mix bread soda and a little liquid soap, which may work in some circumstances, but not in all. Um, it's not but anyway, here it anyway. hasn't really worked yeah. here, and the leaves are turning black. And our listener is quite concerned now about. So what they have is 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 white powdery mildew, and I think I send at the top of the program to keep an eye out. This is the sort of weather we're getting for diseases, be it box blight or white powdery mildew or potato blight. So you need to treat for it. Now, <clears throat> there's quite a bit of white powdery mildew on this plant. It's very evident and it's very visible. One of the reasons the listener's getting it is because it's in a pot, and plants that are under water stress tend to be more susceptible to powdery mildew. So that's the first thing. So ideally, if the listener could actually plant that in a larger container Mm -hmm. or into the ground, um, you know, maybe against a different wall, that would be the ideal scenario here. Now, what what I would do in the short term is trim the climbing rose back. I know it's coming into early summer, but trim back all that... um, affected leaves because they're quite effective so get rid of that cut it back put it into the bin and and get rid of it off site and then once the plant kicks back into growth again so give it a good feed it'll kick back into growth again and then protect the new growth with something like rose rescue or rose clear they're more effective at controlling the the white powdery mildew than mixing up bread soda Um, so that's really my advice ideally this plant should get into the ground it, that, it'll, it'll be a lot more vigorous it'll be well able to stand up to the white powdery mildew in the soil and you won't have this drying problem with it but um, certainly trim it back, feed it and then spray it as, as soon as it comes into leaf with Rose Clear and Rose Rescue every two weeks, certainly for until the end of July annual the, the plant is only, it, it sets it back rather than it killing the plant yeah. but it does set it back because the leaves will wither they'll fall off and the plant is, has lost all that energy for this year so it'll be sickly and it'll come back next year again. So my advice really is get it into the soil, trim it back, feed it, and put on the treatment. Lovely. Can we talk a bit about peony roses, we which can. are entirely different to the regular roses? Yeah, one of my favourite plants. And I absolutely love them too, and they are all in flower They're at the minute. Stunning. And the colours, particularly those, that rich, deep red, red yeah. raspberry type ones. Oh, yeah. they look fabulous. They're absolutely brilliant. And they're lovely this year. I was admiring them actually coming up on, on uh, up to Ballyhonest. There's a couple of gardens with them, and they're absolutely covered in flowers. Now, peony roses, again, this is one going back to, you know, your old cottage garden rose, a, a, a plant. It's not a rose, but it's it's called the peony rose because the flower is so similar to a rose. It's big double. It comes in shades of white, shades of pink, shades of red. Um, Easy plant to grow, but it's a plant that needs to be undisturbed. So once you plant it, you leave it alone. And again, it's atypically where it will often grow for a couple of years without flowering and then settle into a flowering pattern. And remember a couple of years ago, we had somebody that actually went out and counted the number of flowers on their peony rose and there were 52, if memory serves me right. So it's, it gives that type of a show at this time of year. You know, late May, early June is the time for peony roses. You can plant them at this time of year and you can also get a, what we call a tree peony, which oh. is a, a peony rose that grows into it a is, shrub. Really? So the one that we were referring to earlier yeah. is, is herbaceous. It dies back at the end of the year and disappears for the winter and re-emerges the following spring. But you can get a, a, a plant called the tree peony and they are shades of, again, reds, some purples, some whites, some yellows, and they make a shrub. So they'll grow eight, nine feet in height, similar in diameter, nice large shrub, beautiful flowers as well. So they're well worth growing. They're the old cottage garden plant. Um, 
Lots of them have bloomed this year, lots of them in gardens at the moment. And the heat, the sort of weather we're having, has absolutely suited them so well. And they don't get any white fly, and they don't get any green fly, yeah, okay. and they don't get any ro- any black spots. And they last for a very long time, don't they? <laughs> well, in terms of uh, the longevity. longevity of yes. planting, absolutely. I mean, over years. Your I grandmother mean, I, yes, type I, of thing. I don't would, mean, because I suppose their flowering period can be short, short enough. Short, yes, of, you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, but the plants yes. themselves, absolutely. They, they really should be left alone. And we often get queries where people have moved them and they've stopped flowering, and that happens. But they do come back to, to flower again wants to settle in. So there's a type of plant you plant them, you leave them alone, you nurture them, a bit of organic matter in the winter time and you don't have to spray them for pests or diseases. A really great plant, a really super plant. You know, it's in the kind of old cottage garden plant. You know, I remember my grandmother growing them in Spencer Street. That's that's the memory I have of yeah. peony roses. No, they're, I just think they're stunning altogether. Yeah. Okay, uh, bum, 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 bum. Sorry, now all the answers to Taylor Swift are coming in at me. Talk, let's talk about lilacs as well. We've got a couple of questions. Yeah, and lilacs, are, again, they're stunning this year. They really are. But again, there's, there's a plant, again, that tends to do a lot of growing in its first formative years and settle down to a rhythm of, of flowering. So again, we tend to get questions in where they're, they're slow to flower, they're shy to flower for a mm. couple of years. They might flower well one year and then do a lot of growing and settle down. So that's kind of atypical of lilacs, but they're brilliant at the moment. The time to prune them is immediately after flowering. So they're flowering at the moment, wait for the flowers to go off them and then trim them back. Feed them again with a high potash feed. So again, something like a rose fertilizer or sulfate potash, and that helps to slow down the growth and lilacs and bring them into flowering. So if you've got lilacs in your garden that are shy, for flowering, they're not producing a lot of flowers. Give them some rose feed during the summer months, and that sets them up for next spring to produce some flowers. That's excellent. I think you just and cut don't cut them in the winter. Don't cut them. In you the cut. Winter. You trim them after flowering, and that applies to all spring flowering plants. Those that flower up until kind of the first or second week in June, they're pruned immediately after flowering. Now, I changed roses a month ago and I didn't cut them back, but they're growing at the bottom. Okay. Um, but they're dead at the top. I presume by change, they mean they moved dug them up dug and them moved the them, I, was, yeah, I yeah. assume. Um, but they're dead at the top. Okay, so my advice always when you're transplanting roses is to, is to cut them back severely. So if they're three feet high, you reduce them back to maybe six inches from soil level, then you lift them and then you transplant them. Obviously, the listener didn't prune them back. That's perfectly fine cut back the roses to where you see new growth. So trim off that. Don't worry about that bit of dead, dead growth. Cut back right back to where you see new growth. Give them a feed. And within four weeks, five weeks, they'll be in flower. And remember, you, even though you're losing a bit of colour early in the season, they're going to be in flower for you late into the autumn, possibly up to winter, possibly up to, up to Christmas. So cut them back, feed them well, put on the little bit of rose treatment uh, spray for them and uh, feed them again in a month's time and they'll come into flower in midsummer for you. Okay, lovely stuff. Um, now, my Nemesia. Oh, uh, uh, are, are not doing very good. What am I doing wrong? They're in containers. Would that be a hint? Don't know no. <laughs> what you're doing wrong because Nemesia, Nemesia is a, a, an absolutely beautiful plant. A grin, again on the um, Marie Keating uh, garden, the uh, sun, the sun garden. Um, they have beautiful yellow flowering Nemesias and beautiful scent from them as well. So Nemesia is an old-fashioned garden plant. I would possibly say that it's been overwatered. Would what it sounds like okay. to me, they dislike too much too much heavy watering. Um, so when you wash them, like I said earlier, you water, you leave them alone for three or four days, and then rewater, particularly in in the sort of weather we're having. So it possibly is that the listener is uh, overwatering them. What I would suggest is maybe take a photograph of them, mm-hmm. put it on the WhatsApp. 
087-900-4141 am I right? Absolutely and, and uh, we'll answer I'll have a look at it during the week and we'll answer that yeah. question next week but it sounds to me like it may be a little bit of overwashing and amici because it is such a simple plant to grow yeah. and dislikes too much wetness Okay, great We're going to have to leave it there I'm afraid Porik John, I, I, Porik just couldn't come around my side of the desk to look at your rockery <laughs> but I promise, promise, promise uh, yeah. we'll have a look at it for you next week on the programme and there's a few more there as well that and we didn't quite get Anyone there. in Bloom if they're in today I'm on it quarter to three on the expert stand on their Sunday as well morning and afternoon and their Monday morning and afternoon so come along and have a chat and okay. love to meet people great stuff have a wonderful uh, couple of days and uh, do enjoy if you're heading along to Bloom and indeed enjoy if you're not otherwise for the bank holiday weekend before we go congratulations to Tara Reap Balana Sylvia Spain Foxford and Barry Rafferty and Corafin all winners of those tickets to Taylor Swift but worry not if you were unlucky we still have lots more to go throughout the weekend. That's it from me, Michael Neary, up after the news at 10 until next Saturday. Good morning to you.